0: Welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 240. Today, I am so excited to sit down with total boss and author of the new book, Brag Better, coming out June 16th. All right, be honest with me now. Do you find self-promotion to be a painfully squeamish process? I know you are saying like, hell yeah, right now, because who amongst us brags on their bad self like shamelessly every time. I get dinged every now and then for shameless self-promotion. Somebody reviewed the Bossed Up podcast back in December saying, like, I used to love this show, but now Emily just promotes her own products and services so much it makes the podcast feel cheap. And I remember reading that and being like, oh my God, I can never talk about my business again. This is so terrible. I'm such a hack. I'm so annoying. And oh, right, the whole Reason this podcast is free is because those products and services I talk about are what pays my bills and pays my salaries for my employees. So I kind of had to just deeply take a hard, like, swallow and just say, F it. I got to do this anyway. Like, I have to keep going. And how do I feel not like a total asshole when doing so? I think even those of us who look on the internet as though we brag. Really, like unflappably about ourselves, which I'm sure some people would say about me. We also hate bragging. <laughs> because you take some real flack for it. And today's conversation with author Meredith Feynman, who I actually started bossed up like rubbing shoulders with Meredith back in 2013 in Washington, D.C. Everyone I talked to was like, you need to know Meredith Feynman. You guys are doing such great complimentary work. And it is such a cool full circle conversation that you're about to hear. Reconnecting with her years after three years since I lived in D.C on the precipice of her wonderful book coming out all about how to brag better, mastering the art of fearless self-promotion. So if you, like me, have taken for bragging about yourself in the past or have just avoided the entire risk of taking heat for such a such a criminal act by just not bragging about yourself, you are going to learn a lot from today's conversation. And to the 307 of you who have rated and reviewed my podcast on iTunes without telling me that I was a jerk for talking about my uh, services and offerings, I really want to just say I appreciate you. I'm grateful for your listenership. I will try not to bombard y'all with ads 24-7, I And in that spirit, why don't we dive right into today's conversation with Meredith Feynman. She's an entrepreneur, writer, and podcast host, and the founder and CEO of FinePoint, a leadership and professional development company that elevates individuals from young professionals to CEOs. Feynman is a freelance writer and a book collaborator with bylines from Harvard Business Review to Forbes to Fast Company and more. She speaks and trains on the power of self-promotion to companies, brands, universities, and groups. She created and hosts the It Never Gets Old podcast on secondhand and sustainable fashion. And Meredith has kindly joined us today to share the art of fearless self-promotion. Meredith, welcome to the Bossed Up podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's really fun to be
1: reconnected after a minute. I know. It's good to
0: be here. Thank you. Well, our listeners should know that you and I ran in some similar circles in DC back in the day. You're still in DC, yes? I am in Washington, frequently in Los Angeles. But
1: yes, I mean, now we're recording this in quarantine. So I certainly am in DC at home.
0: Well, it is wonderful to reconnect with you because we have, I think, long admired each other's work and you are on the precipice of releasing this exciting, fantastic book, Brag Better Into the World. Tell me, what inspired you to write a book about bragging? Oh boy. So yes, Brag Better
1: is out June 16th. The subtitle is Master the Art of Fearless Self-Promotion. So it is based on an idea that I've been working on since 2013. So for almost seven years, I've been tied to the word brag and this concept. I am a long, long time freelance writer. I've been a freelance writer for about 15 years and I run a consultancy called Fine Point where I work with individuals, CEOs, founders. I have an emphasis on women in positions of power, but I don't only work with women uh, on how to be in public and their visibility. So it's a mixture of like leadership and professional development and media relations. And mm. Brag Better, a lot of my work over the past seven years has also been speaking and training on bragging, particularly women in bragging, though Brag Better is irrespective of gender. This book is for a demographic called the qualified quiet, people that have done the work and don't know how to talk about it. So that stems mm-hmm. from my representing people and realizing that nobody knew how to talk about themselves and nobody knew how to promote their work, coupled with this really intense cult of personality around business leadership and especially with sort of millennial entrepreneurs and watching that whole ecosystem happen. We had this new category of celebrity that really interested me, which was business leadership. And an individual as a driver of business and, and brag better of career is I think more more prominent than ever, and I care that we get people that know their stuff doing the talking because also being in and around media, understanding that we just have this really intense inverse relationship between volume and merit, and we reward loud, guaranteed. Anyone listening can think of someone in their industry, in their cohort, near them that knows less than they do, but speaks louder or gets more attention, whether that is on a panel or in a meeting or in a classroom. And so I'm really aiming to bridge that gap.
0: I love it. It's so interesting, right? The rise of the personal brand has influenced so much of my work with job seekers, especially lately. And I see the same fear that your your byline or your uh, subtitle really alludes to when you say fearless self promotion because there is this association with self promotion like you're saying, that's inversely correlated with quality or qualifications. So why is it so scary to speak up? Why is it so scary to brag on yourself and really approach self-promotion from a grounded place of confidence in your abilities? Yeah. So there are a lot of factors for women.
1: This is something I've spoken about, but also very, very obvious to me in that patriarchy in all of its forms and all messaging towards women centers around being quiet and looking pretty. Mm. And those two things condition you to not want to use your voice because society tells you you shouldn't. And so this is particularly difficult for women because you're policed on metrics. You're policed, excuse me, from from your voice, you're ankles, you're judged on metrics that men are not. And then there are real repercussions for being a woman who chooses to be in public. My book, Brag Better, is deeply rooted in 10 years of exercises and frameworks I've done with clients and in training sessions and in speeches and what you can do to mitigate varying risks. But It's scary and it's hard. It's an act of vulnerability. We don't Mm. have a vocabulary to talk positively about professional accomplishment, which is part of the problem. That is part of what Brag Better is here to do. The writer in me realized that we didn't really have many words to use and not great examples either. So those things make it really, really difficult. We have this inverse relationship. We have... A, you know, some people screaming and then the rest of us, the qualified quiet, it's <laughs> most of us, if not, you know, it's a strength and not a weakness sitting here, having no idea how to begin talking about what we've done. Then you don't have the words for it. You don't have the role models. You don't have a system set up for it. And my point is that if you want to add to the noise and be loud for, you know, volume's sake, that's rad too. I would love to have some qual- qualified people come at this for ego, but really my point is what a driver it is for career at any stage. So bragging better is also deeply irrespective of level of seniority Mm. and it, it can affect your career in many, many positive ways. And so it's an opportunity more than anything else.
0: It sounds like you've, in the book, introduced four key elements of bragging better, gratitude, pride, presentation, and showmanship. Can you tell us more about those? How do they fit into this whole puzzle?
1: Yeah, so those are some sentiments and activities around your brag. So a lot of people ask me like, what is the perfect brag? Now that's gonna, I mean, that's what Brag Better exists for, but you're gonna have to find language that suits you. You're going to have to find mediums that suit you when I talk to people about bragging, this is not necessarily the volume of your voice. So it can mean that Mm. it's whatever Mm -hmm. feels good to you, whether that's on social media, whether that's through writing, whether that's through podcasting, it's not the same for everyone. But I do think that these elements, you know, gratitude, pride, presentation, and showmanship help frame your brag. So gratitude is something that I think When in doubt, when feeling scared about sharing something you've done, expressing gratitude helps center you, but also spread good vibes to the people reading or, you know, embracing
0: whatever you're saying. Is this akin to the humble brag by any chance? (laughs) Like, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to accept this award on behalf of my industry.
1: <laughs> well, I think humble brag is really interesting. I did not get into that specific verbiage in the book. Humble brag mm-hmm. has long been this sort of love hate thing that people joke about. But I actually am here for just regular bragging, obviously. And <laughs> nice bragging is stating true facts about the work you've done. Like, have you not done them? If you haven't done them, then you shouldn't state them. But if you have done the work, like not talking about it is just shooting yourself in the foot. It's not bragging. It's stating mm. true facts. So the gratitude element, I mean, I think that saying I was very grateful to be on this panel, I think that's very real. Yeah. A humble brag is couched in like some internet speak and I think varying like snark. But so that's the first element. Then pride takes time. Go through it a lot in the book, but being proud of the work you've done—it's very easy to just put your head down and uh, want to keep chugging away and accomplishing things. And I'm very, very guilty of that. But I think that stepping back and being proud of the work you're, you've done takes takes time and energy because mm. we're always wanting to achieve, we're always wanting to do more. And I think that that you owe that to yourself. And mm. then. Presentation and showmanship are how you're displaying your brag. So presentation is considering your audience, like for you, for example, if you are growing this podcast, you've been doing it for a long time, and this is not your first podcast. And let's say you want like bigger advertisers, thinking about how you're Mm -hmm. going to present the work, you know, the numbers your podcast has, we're getting a little meta here. And the work you've done in the places those people are looking is how you present that matters. Mm -hmm. And then showmanship is how you're going to add your flair. You don't have to always add your flair. I am someone who is often cracking jokes and using like varying internet meme speak, but that is like deeply personal to someone. But that showmanship is your unique flair because nobody wants to see a robot all the time. And, you know, you can take my word on a lot of this stuff, but some of it is going to be trial and error, you know, when I have the bumper lanes to like help you figure this out. But I also want you Mm. to figure out what makes it unique to you.
0: Yeah. And I love that you mentioned every time you venture down the road of bragging on your bad self that there's an element of vulnerability inherent to it. I don't know if it's just in my head thanks to the patriarchy or if it's real, but sometimes I do feel like when I'm I'm expressing self-satisfaction that you can almost feel the heat coming your way. You're like some people are going to really hate me for this. And I don't care. Like There's an element there, or or maybe I do care and that it does bother me, but. I can't make everyone happy all the time, especially if I champion myself.
1: Yeah, I think that's sort of part of it, right? Yeah, so the book is divided into three acts. The first act is why this issue matters and why it should matter to you and why it matters to society and some sort of like grand scale factors about why it's hard, this word brag. The second act is specifically what you can do now, this week, this month, in the next six months to brag better in a lot of different ways. And then the third act is really about how the public engages with bragging better. So, Whether that's how you ask others to brag for you or how a very intrinsic part of bragging better is doing so for others, how to do that. But then also what it looks like to put yourself out there and be someone who might experience blowback, what it means to be in public and handling all of that because it's very easy to take a shot at someone who's chosen to put themselves out there unabashedly. And so I'm sure there are a lot of people who think I'm X and Y and Z. I've heard some of it to my face. I mostly just prefer it behind my back. (laughs) And I think that my point is it's an overall net positive. And you might get some of that. You're always going to get less than you fear. And that's just sort of how it goes. But yeah, it's an act of vulnerability to say, I am proud of myself. Here's what I've done. Please look at it because you're asking for other people to, you're sharing something without shame. And everybody that comes to me has the same issues around bragging. It makes me nervous, anxious, scared. What if everyone thinks I'm an asshole? What if nobody thinks anything? And a lot of it Mm. also hinges on like a deep core, core thing, which is people don't pay attention to this. If I don't get positive reinforcement, like, does my work maybe not have meaning? Does my life not have meaning? Which like people don't, can't like quickly say like, oh man, like nobody liked my posts. So my life doesn't have meaning, but at its core, uh, that's really what we're saying here. So I think that the, you're going to get shit for being out there. It's really easy to take a shot at someone who has chosen to do so. And also that hate is actually a sign of success.
0: And <laughs> that is such a good reminder.
1: <laughs> it's because you're getting outside of the circle of just people who love you and care about you and will just say nice things to you because they care about you. Right. And so that comes to the territory. It gets, it, it's, it's very hard to deal with, but I have some strategies for doing so, but that doesn't mean like, so I have a podcast called It Never Gets Old, all about the secondhand resale consignment vintage world and my work in it. And I am definitely a newer podcaster. I've done it for about a year and I got a negative review about my voice. And I am used to saying, you know, vocal fry, your voice is like fingernails on a chalkboard and... That was obviously a mistake because like obviously you don't read the comments. I've known this since I've been writing for 15 years on the internet. like I know what that looks <laughs> like. but I and I've been you know chided for a lot of different things. The voice thing is new. We love to police women's voices, which is a separate issue. but I think that it's hard. Yeah. it's hard. I mean I think about it. I think about that particular comment, but it does mean that I've gotten out of just like the yes people circle as you grow, if you're not, and I did 30 original incredible interviews in this book from like Susan Kane to Gia Tolentino, to Claire Safetz to Kimberly Drew, to Dream Hampton, to Lovia Jai. And Lovia Jai is like, if nobody's disagreeing with you, you're not saying anything of merit.
0: Well, that was going to be my question is, can you tell us about women who have made this transformation, who have overcome the vulnerability, who have ventured forward and learned to brag better? Because I really would love to hear what that sounds like in real time or what that looks like in other women's stories.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as I said, I don't only work with women, but obviously a lot of my passion around this is around women in voice. And I cared a lot that the book was not gender specific, so it could reach the largest audience possible, but it is very different to be a woman doing this versus a man. Mm. And I make that very clear. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of directive towards men in this book on how you can echo the voices of women and why it's part of your job to help support women's voices because we, you are general, genuinely the default we listen to, like scientifically the a man echoing the sentiments of a woman helps it stick, which is just a sad truth. Yeah. So I, at this point have had my business for about a decade and I have trained hundreds, not thousands of people at this point. So I can use a bunch of different examples, but It can be as small as I represented this amazing CEO. She and her husband were co-CEOs and he was very brazen and used to sort of being loud and proud for several factors and also in his nature. And by her nature, she was definitely qualified, quiet, deeply, deeply knowledgeable, qualified, the real guns behind the business for sure. And she had trouble even like introducing herself. Mm. These are very successful people. I started doing this because I was watching the trajectory of people not know how to talk about themselves from interns who want to work for me to friends to household names. I mean, it's absolutely universal and you're so not alone in these feelings that this is what I do for a living. Right. So this was like she was going on a panel and we scripted out like her saying her name and what she does it, and it helped to just have it like really scripted out. Then we got on, I've done a lot of I'm sure you have to media training, like you know, getting on there and my prompting her again and again and asking her questions and getting her to practice and be comfortable with that. Like that's a very small mm-hmm. example.
0: Do you feel like it does adjust the uh, your approach? from those who identify as introverts versus extroverts. We have, yeah, I'm obviously extremely extroverted and my team is like almost hundred percent introverts. And so as we've been uh, positioning my colleagues, Kirby and Ellie, to be much more public facing parts of the Boss Deb brand, it's been kind of a stretch for us to think about how we do that. So I wonder how your book addresses that.
1: Yeah. So I interviewed Susan Cain for the book. She is the author. She is the She's the reason we talk about introversion. She's mm-hmm. the author of Quiet. And she really brought the idea of the power of introverts into the world lexicon starting in 2012. And so yes and no. I think that actually sometimes introverts have a way easier time expressing themselves in certain ways than extroverts do. So I actually don't find bragging as much tied to introversion if you're able to do it in a way that feels comfortable to you. So in talking to Susan, mm-hmm. like you just have to find a way that, to brag better that feels good to you. If you're introverted, many introverts are really gifted at sharing in print. When I say in print, I mean online or with writing. So it's not about saying things with your voice. Right, all the time. right. It could be writing them. It could be using social media. So That's more of just like your form versus function.
0: Tell us more about the social media elements of this, because I hear a lot of my clients, especially my leadership accelerator clients, want to be positioned as thought leaders. And so we talk a bit about, okay, well, what does that look like? How do you get your ideas out there and bring your own unique take to things in a way that starts conversations. I wonder what bragging better online looks like. In quarantine, I wrote a
1: free chapter on how to brag better online and from home because obviously the professional world has been turned on its head overnight. And that is available on the Brag Better website, brag-better.com. If you enter your email, it's a PDF or I did the audio. So if you're taking like a quarantine walk, you're doing the dishes, you can listen to it. But that was very (laughs) clear immediately since I have like a section on handshakes. Yeah, We're entering this new world and it will be changed even when things go back to quote unquote normal. I think that this will shift shift a lot of the business world. I'm trying to even remember your original question, but that's available.
0: I love it. I, I'm definitely going to link to that. Oh, uh, the chapter. social media. The social media, yes. Yeah, like how do we begin even thinking about bragging better on social media? So the
1: problem is you lose a lot, you've lo- lost a lot of bragging tools, which I mean, you can't breeze mm-hmm. by your boss's office and say like, hey, do you have a second? Can we chat about like this project I'm really proud of? Or you're not in a meeting with your coworkers and that sucks. And especially if you're the kind of person mm-hmm. who is just like, I just got to get in front of them and then I'll close the business or I'll win them over, blah, blah, blah. That makes yeah. it really, really hard because you lose that. And I talk about it some on in this chapter uh, and what you can do. And it's a constantly evolving situation. I did not expect to put out a book in a time like this. And I hope that bragging better can help people in this like time of uncertainty and, and joblessness. And I don't know, it's just pretty insane, but the social media Mm. piece is social media. They're all tools and you can choose to pick them up and put them in your belt or not. And I usually tell clients to pick the social media platform they hate the least and do that (laughs) one. Well, I think it's better to do one well than it is to do all of them mediocrely and use one that suits you. I mean, I love Instagram because I love memes and jokes and dog videos, and I post a lot of those. So that works for me. But social media is a tool for you to be pushing out your ideas, asking for what you want and showing who you are. Mm. Let's use like Twitter for an example. So let's say you want to be a thought leader in, I don't know, technology. If your Twitter is... A wide range of things and not interesting articles on technology, your takes on the future of technology, an op-ed you wrote on technology. I mean, this is obviously just an example, other people that interest you in the technology sector and interacting with them. Like you're just missing an opportunity to show someone who you are and what you want in 30 mm. seconds or under, which is like what you need to do. So if you are thinking about when you post things, does this reinforce my goals or Mm -hmm. is it just something that makes me smile? And and then really thinking through that because also the SEO, the search engine optimization of these social media platforms means that they're going to pop up no matter what on a search result of you. So if someone's Googling you, it's going to pop up immediately. They're really, really powerful. And if you don't want to have social media, you better shut it down hard. Like you better make sure all of the controls are in there and nobody Mm -hmm. can see anything. And then with something like we're going back to this Twitter example. Is it an up-to-date headshot so that a booker, a conference booker, or a TV person can tell exactly what you look like? There are a lot more qualifications for that if you're a woman, which is just baseline sexism.
0: Or if you change your hair color every six months, like I do. Exactly. <laughs> I can't and I seem that, to keep a hairstyle. <laughs> yeah. People
1: need to know exactly what you look like and that needs to be unmistakable. Or... Is your bio in your Twitter profile linking to your latest work, telling people they can book you to speak, asking mm. people to write? Like these are all just opportunities. They're opportunities all around you to promote yourself. It's whether or not you choose to look at them as such versus burden mm-hmm. or just like another "quote unquote" shameless thing. I don't. Li- I mean, I think people attach shameless so much to. To, to self-promotion and to bragging. I'm obviously mm-hmm. very, very pro. I think that that's like the shame piece is very interesting to me. And I don't know how much time you have. I only had, I guess the book is, I think it says on
0: Amazon is 288 pages, but I should go check that. <laughs> but I only had so much space. I mean, yeah, it's deep. All of this, like you're saying at the start stems back to our sense of Does my life matter? So yeah, I don't know any podcast episode that can get to the root of that. We need a philosophy masterclass to go there, but... Yeah, it's like, hi, does my life not have meaning? Right,
1: yeah. And that's why also like I fine point. My company was much more, I was a publicist and then I got bored getting press hits on TechCrunch for tech bros and seeing that like the habits of publicists, pitching, packaging, being able to ask for things in market was really, really valuable for people. And we weren't really utilizing those skills in the way that Mm. they could be. I mean, as a PR person, and since I represented individuals and I still do, and I do a bunch mm. of different things. It's way easier to slap me in the face for you know and write a nasty email to me because someone didn't cover you in Forbes, and it's to say, well, maybe my work is not worth covering in Forbes, right? And right. that actually, it has nothing to do with the latter. It probably has to do with like that editor being on vacation or someone being busy or whatever. But at its core, that's what it's getting at: our deep, deep fears.
0: Yeah. Well, Meredith, this is such a fascinating topic. I am. So excited to sink my teeth into Brag Better. And I want to thank you so much for sharing some of your time and talents with the Bossed Up audience. I'm going to drop all kinds of great links in our show notes today where folks can keep up with you. But if you were to direct them to one place to find you online, where would that be?
1: Yeah, I would just go to meredithfineman.com. That has all the links to everything. And you can please, for the love of God, buy my book, Brag Better, Master the art of Fearless Self-Promotion. It's out June 16th in hardcover, in audio form. I, since thankfully I'm a podcaster, I recorded the entire audio book from my house in a closet. Right. On Kindle, so.
0: And it's beautiful, by the way. Thank you. I love the cover art. Gives me all kinds of- Thank you. Shattering the glass ceiling of bragging vibes is what I get from it. It's like, I'm here. I That's love sweetest. it, Meredith. Thank you <laughs> so much for joining us today. Thank you. As a reminder, Meredith's great book, Brag Better, The Art of Shameless Self-Promotion, comes out June 16th. And you can find links in today's show notes at bossedup.org slash episode 240. And now it is time for this week's boss move of the week. This one comes in from a lovely friend of mine from also back in the day in DC, who wrote me via email saying, here's her boss move five years in the making. All right. I am so excited to read some of this email to you. Dear Emily, when we first met back in 2015, thank you, Lady Project and other women's networking events in DC. I loved your message and mission about helping women get out of a not so great situation and to stop being burned out and to follow their career passions. At the time, I was doing exactly what I wanted to, Seeing patients and helping them know if they had a higher risk for breast, ovarian, or other cancers so they could do something about it. And then my dream job opened up at the Cleveland Clinic, and I moved back home. I was 27 or 28 and had my dream job and loved it and had no regrets in my career to that point. But after another couple of years of seeing patients, I started getting restless, and I couldn't figure out why. I was part of an amazing team. I still loved what I was doing. I was active in my profession's national society. I didn't have a side hustle like so many women I'd heard about in your talks and podcasts, and I felt lost as I was trying to figure out what the next stage of my career would look like. One day, it clicked. I was feeling burned out with the routine of giving the same speech to patients every day, and my true passion was working to advocate for genetic services on a larger scale, All of these leadership roles that I was doing in my free time were what were giving me professional satisfaction, and I wanted that to be my day job. It took many months for me to figure out what a job that combined my clinical knowledge and other experiences would look like. But things finally came to fruition this month, and I am shaking up my career. I am leaving my role as a genetic counselor in the hospital and accepted a role as a senior marketing manager for a pharmaceutical company to work specifically on their treatments for patients with BRCA mutations. So long story short, thank you for what you do. My story is different than others because I came across cross-bossed up early in my career and had the knowledge to actively be aware of burnout in my life and start thinking about what needed to change when I noticed it was becoming a pattern. Hearing the success stories of so many other bosses over the years gave me the confidence to make this leap and go after what I wanted. I hope our paths cross again in person. My new job will take me in D.C. more often, so maybe our travels will align. Stay safe, Rebecca. Rebecca, I'm so proud of you, boss. Congratulations, and thank you so much for sharing this boss move. It's not just a boss move of the week. It's a boss move of the last half a decade. So congratulations. It's a good reminder to all of us that sometimes making career moves are cumulative, right? And and add up over time. It doesn't all happen in one swift transition. And to have a little bit of patience and follow our curiosity and keep asking these great, incisive questions like Rebecca did, Thank you for sharing, boss. Now, if you have a boss move to share or a career conundrum that you want me to unpack on the podcast next, give our podcast hotline a ring at 910 668 BOSS or 2677. You can also, of course, write me at Emily at or find me on the internet at EmilyAries.com and EmilyAries and BOSSDUP.org and all the social media. All right, y'all. What a great episode, right? <laughs> I sound satisfied with myself because I am. What is Meredith's advice on this? I'm so grateful that you've made it to the end of this episode. And I'm grateful for your listenership because I feel like this is a damn fine episode. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going crazy here in quarantine, y'all. I need some real social interaction soon. But in the meantime, I'll appreciate all the internet socialization that we can get from each other, podcasts, podcasts. Social media, email, you name it. Let's keep in touch and let's keep Boston in pursuit of our purpose as together we lift as we climb.